So if you would, open up your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be primarily in the Gospel of Luke. We're also going to touch uh, Mark, Gospel of Mark, Romans briefly. And uh, I call this Saved to Set Free. Saved to Set Free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pray that you'd really just be refreshed tonight. I, you know, I just, I really am just believing the Lord just to refresh you, just to encourage you tonight that we would be excited, that we would just be genuinely encouraged about the unlimited opportunities that are before us as a church, as a body, collectively, where God has placed us. The doors are wide open. Amen. So I want to ask you, what is your calling as a believer? What is your primary calling as a believer? And Jesus makes it very clear in the gospel of Mark chapter 3. He called his 12 apostles. He took time to be with his father to find out who the father had appointed for him. And in Mark chapter 3 verse 14, it says this. And he appointed... Uh, wait just a minute. I hear the pages flipping. So you can keep your finger in Luke. We're, we're just going to read. I want to read this with you here in Mark. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. So that they might be with him. You and me are called first and foremost to be with you. That's Mark 3, 14. Not Luke. Mark 3, 14. We are called to be with him. That's what we're safe to do, to be with Jesus, to know him, to have been called to him, to have been adopted as a child of our heavenly father, to have fellowship, to be connected to the body of Christ, to know Christ, to love him, to be with him. And it's from that being with him, that savoring Jesus, as one preacher has put it, knowing and savoring Jesus, loving him as wonderful as he is. It's from that relationship that everything flows out. As we are with him, it was then, it says afterwards, and he might send them out to preach, have authority to cast out demons, and the gospel of Luke would add, and to heal sickness as well. Sometimes I have gotten the cart, or many times I've gotten the cart before the horse, where I want to do things for Jesus because I'm connected to him, because I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, because the Bible speaks about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and being empowered to do these things, when really my primary focus is what? Abide in me and I in you. Why? So that then you would bear much fruit. Much fruit. And then you would be joyful and our prayers would be answered and we would obey him and our joy would be full. It all starts from that place of abiding with Christ, knowing with him. Sometimes, like I did this morning, even in preparation, just sitting back and just needing him. Just needing him. And not even maybe really verbalizing much, but just needing him and allowing that need to flow from your heart to your heavenly father, knowing in faith, I am where I need to be. And he is going to meet my need with himself, even as I am here very weak before him. That is simply it, knowing him and loving him. But then what we also want to do is we want to look at scripture to see the call of Jesus. When he was here, what did he do? What was his focus? What was it that God said about him? We're going to look at that. 
And I also want us to see this because we need to look at him to know what we are supposed to be doing. Why? Because just like Romans 8.29 says, it says this, Romans 8.29, I'll read it for the sake of time. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those that willingly repented and put their faith in Christ. The highway that we are on, the destination is set. If I will walk with Christ, simply trust him, the Holy Spirit is already keyed in what his goal is in my life after I repented and put my faith in Christ to be conformed to Jesus, to be made like him in everything that he did in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We are being conformed to that image. So what is it that Jesus did? If you go to Luke, I've been studying through Luke for a while. I'm sure I've said that several times, but I'm still going through it. I'm taking the slow train to China through Luke, and I'm all the better for it. There's just so much in Scripture. Um, I was benefited by Brother Gary Wilkerson. He had been preaching at a church. Um, I, I forget even where it was. Uh, yeah, it was Alec Rowland's church. Yeah, it's the church um, in Edmonds, Washington. And I was listening to his podcast, and it was Gary Wilkerson, beginning of the year. And he said, you know, uh, I found a book that I'm just going to camp in for the rest of the year, but I'm also going to read the Bible chronologically. And I just thought, you know what? That's a fantastic idea. I think I'll do the same. And I'm just going to hang out in Luke and re- listen to the Bible chronologically in another version and, and be benefited. And in Luke 1, 7, so that's just, you know, I love to throw that stuff out there. If you're a pastor, you love to throw out little tips and hints and things like this because the more we're in the Word, the, the better we are, the healthier that we are, right, as we abide in it and in us. Luke chapter 1, verse 76. It was said of Jesus... Uh, And this is Zechariah, right? Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist, and he's prophesying indirectly about Jesus by prophesying about his son. And he's prophesying what his son would do, which pointed directly to our Messiah. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people. And the forgiveness of their sins Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Rachel, it's just like that song said, the world is dying to see the light of him, right? What do we see all through this passage here? That John the Baptist would declare, there's one coming after me, Jesus, the Messiah. He is going to bring salvation. He's going to bring light. He is the sunrise. Isn't the sunrise beautiful? Isn't it, I love it whenever it's like a pink morning, you know, and you just see the clouds and you see the sunrise. Just like the Psalms say, I look for you like those that hope for the morning. Those that hope for the morning. Many people, whenever they're going through difficulties, trials, and tribulations, they hope for the morning. If I can just get through the darkness of the difficulty of the night and the sun can rise... My hope will be lifted. My depression will subside. And that is who Christ was. He, brought, he was the sunrise that would kiss this earth with salvation and give light to those that were dwelling in darkness, whose eyes had become accustomed to darkness and whose shackles were bound by the prince of darkness. Light would come. A rescuer would come. A champion far greater than David, who he typified against Goliath. Christ himself would come and defeat 
our Goliath, Satan, as we, the trembling Israelites, cowered, unable to defeat this foe that, that, that bellowed at us day after day, send me forth your champion, lest I make you my slave. This is who Christ is. We're looking at him because who he is is who he is. The Holy Ghost is conforming us to be. He is the sunrise in the earth, bringing hope to those trapped in the darkness. And he wants to make us the same. And Luke chapter 2, continuing verses 10 through 11, it says this. And the angel speaking to the shepherds, he said, fear not for behold, I bring you good news. Christ is good news. Great joy that will be for all people. I am so thankful because I am not a Jew. I have zero Jewish blood in me. I'm sure I could lick a swab, spit the cup, let them test it from now till the end of eternity. I am Gentile through and through. I had no right to be a part of this. I was not a part of the people of God. I'm not like Noah. I'm not, I don't have that, that particular blessing in your lineage like you would have. But I'm so thankful that there, is, there was born in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy for all people. For all people. Good news, great joy. Luke chapter 2, verse 29, it says this. And this was a, an older gentleman, Simeon, who had been promised by the Holy Spirit, you will see the Messiah. He took up that Messiah in his arms. Could you imagine holding God in the flesh, in your arms. Isn't that amazing? I like, I melt when I see my little girl. I am in love with my little seven-week-year-old girl. I can only imagine what he would have felt. He's holding his creator, the one who hung the stars. My God, I can't even imagine that. And he's holding him. And he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his mother marveled at that, right? And Joseph marveled at that. The name Jesus I think most of us would know what that means. Can you help me out? What does the name Jesus mean? God saves. It comes from Joshua. It's Yeshua. Yahweh saves. He saves or Yahweh is salvation. Christ, that salvation that brings joy to people. That was the call of Jesus. And he earnestly desires to live out that call in you, Philip, and in me. And I am so thankful that you do let him live that out. And I, I just, I was walking around in the parking lot before the service and just overwhelmed with this church, who the people are in this body, what a blessing it is to simply be a part of it. I saw Rachel Forster walking across and her arms were full with papers and things like this going from point A to point B. And I just thought in my mind, there's a warrior of Christ walking across the parking lot right there. Her statue, stature may not be very high, but that woman is a woman of God who strikes terror, I believe, into Satan's camp, ministering to those children. That's a warrior of Christ. It's such a blessing. So many people in this church who do live out this call of God, who live out the call of Christ, they let his call flow through them. 
It is such an honor and a blessing to be part of a body like this. And I want to encourage you and simply remind you of what we already know. And to and just to just to say, get in there and take hold of the opportunities that Pastor Lee even read to us this Sunday. You know, we've got a school semester uh, lining up and uh, the FIT Academy is going to fire back up. Teachers are going back to school, young adults, the youth are going back to school, and everything that you've been doing, going to the mall, you must bring to your school. You are salt. You are light. So be salt and light right where God has placed you. Don't let it just be a a, a summer crush on evangelism, but let God continue to do what he was doing, even as the kingdom of darkness would press back against you more as you're rubbing shoulders with the lost more and more, even in Christian homeschools, which would also abound. Uh, You know, chef and all this doesn't mean that everyone's saved and there will be the pressure of the enemy against you. But most of all, in Luke chapter 4, 18 to 19, really captures so well. It's a very familiar verse. I want to read it with with you here. Um, and so many of you, I'm sure, could quote this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Are there poor that we can proclaim the good news to coming up like right now this is christ's call and it's his call through us you know so many times uh in recent years i've allowed my heart to grow hard against the homeless right just frustrated well they made those choices yeah their teeth are gone so clearly they've done this for 20 or more years right they've done this well they've they've probably already rejected jesus a lot of times and i have been gently and lovingly corrected and confronted by my father about that poor attitude of mine who am I to say that today is not the day of salvation for them? Did I not reject it? Perhaps I didn't lose all my teeth and I don't have the scars to show it. But who cares? I, I, I want to allow the Lord to live the life of Christ through me as he sees fit. I don't want a hard heart. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he did. And now it's up to you and me. To proclaim liberty, to proclaim Christ to the captives. Think about the bondage that you had. And any cultural move, wave, LGBTQ, as many letters as they would want to put on there, they are enslaved. They are blinded. Just as you or me were blinded by whatever cultural wave took us at whatever age. If you were in the hippie movement, maybe it was LSD. Maybe it was whenever Napster came out and things like this and the internet first started coming out. And wow, the illicit material that was immediately at your fingers, right? That had never been available. That's my generation. That, those were the temptations of, of, of teenagers in my time, of youth being exposed to this, what grown men would have only been exposed to before. And so we are called to proclaim liberty. You don't have to be bound to that anymore. You don't have to be confused anymore. Did you know that you have a God in heaven who wants to adopt you to be his son or his daughter, who has a purpose for you, has a plan for you, and he knows your name, and he's not confused about who you are. But if we don't proclaim that in love, 
Who will? No one. It is up to us to continue to do that. We have been saved to set free, right? We have been saved to set free. It says the recovering of sight to the blind. So miracles, healings, to set at liberty those who, at liberty those who are oppressed, those who are in bondage, those who are depressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God loves you. He really does want to bless your life. He has kindness planned for you. He has hope stored up for you. You are empty. You have been cast aside. You know, the woman at the well. And yet Christ was proclaiming to her the year of jubilee to her, of freedom from shame. All the years you've walked in, guess what? You don't have to pay that debt anymore. The wages of sin being death, I have set you free. That's what the Lord says. And we can go and proclaim this and watch God himself break the chains off of people's hands and feet. What an excitement. What an excitement. That's the summary of Christ's mission. So Jesus has placed this same calling on us who are saved. That is the call of the Great Commission. That's the call to go and to make disciples and then to baptize them and to teach them all the things that Christ said. This is it. It's what Christ did and is what we have. We are called to. We are saved to be with him, but we are saved to set free. This is a lifestyle. This is not just some command that's kind of, a, as some people have put, like a clip that you add on here just as some sort of an accessory. No, it is planted deep. Life within that the Holy Spirit is actively seeking to cultivate in the soil of our hearts. Every time we're with him, every time we're in the word, when we feel stirred, it is what he is doing within us. I am called and I need to walk in God's power to set these captives free and do all he has called me to do. And that excites me because I am not taking this on me anymore as something of like, oh, God, I I really want to do that because I read a missionary biography and I want to be like John G. Patton or whoever else or Duncan Campbell or all these great people. You know, I want to be like them. But I am now excited to know that as I simply know and love him, he is going to do this in me. I'm going to yield to him. And by his grace, he will form Christ in me. And if he is formed in me, what do you think the life of Christ is going to do? Everything he did while he walked the earth himself will flow out naturally. And I pray if you saw that one guy, he was at the beach. If any of you watch or pay attention to not the bee, any, anybody? Get some news from Not the Bee. Go check it out. It's really great. Um, but anyway, there it's funny stuff, serious stuff. But there was this guy. He was at the beach. There was this channel behind the beach. There's the beach, like at the ocean. Very funny. <laughs> Very terrible. He starts to trench it out like this with his hand from the ocean here. And he deepens it and deepens it and deepens it. And all at once, it breaks and a channel was connected to the ocean. And it separated the beach. The police had to be called. But just, I know it is hilarious, but terrible. But just like that, the Holy Spirit is seeking to slowly move, move, move. And all at once, it starts as a trickle and he breaks forth a torrent that cannot be stopped as I allow him to do more and more and more. And there's nothing that the, that the dark prince can do to stop that 
overflow. When we are connected to him and his life, the life of Christ flows out of us. I love those silly examples. So just come along the ride with me. That's a little trip in my brain. It's like a roller coaster. But I want to borrow from Pastor Lee's Sunday message. And he said this. He said, right where God has placed you, you are called. We are called to be sensitive to God's voice. Jesus said, I did nothing unless I heard my father say it. I did nothing unless I saw my father do it. Now that requires faith from us. It requires me, even if you've been faithful and you've checked your reading plan for the day, praise God, do that. And you've done your scripture memory for the week. You know, you took up your Versify app. You write that down, you know, and you studied twice a week for five minutes and you studied that. And by the end of the year, you had memorized 20 or 30 scriptures, a few passages, the Lord's Prayer, things like this. But in that, in doing these things, when we meditate upon all these things of God, we allow him to talk to us. We open the word. We do our hermeneutics. We find out the original meaning and we step back and we say, now talk to me. Burrow this in my heart. Let me hear what you want me to do. Let me just be with you and know. And as we hear his voice, we are then called to obey his voice and faith. As small as you think it is, miracles will occur when we simply obey in faith. You can can apply to that a thousand biblical stories and a hundred testimonies from your own life. And we will be able to watch God set the captives around us free. Right where God has placed you. I love missions. I love geography. I love world maps. I love sociology. I love culture. I love language. I love learning about language acquisition. I nerd out on all of that. Doesn't mean I'm called to be a foreign missionary. We know that missions are necessary abroad. And laborers are are needed. And we should pray and ask God and submit our lives and say, would you ever want me to do that? But in doing that, we have not fulfilled the call of Christ where we are at. We're called to do that as well as to say, I am a laborer where I have been placed by you here, whether I like it or not. I spent my first five or six years in the workplace wishing I was somewhere else. Wishing I was on some far-flung mission field. Wishing I was learning a foreign language and ignoring the workers that God had placed me around and ignoring the fact that I was called to be salt and light to them right where I was. And though I did see God move in measure, I also did not see him move as much as he wanted to because my eyes were drifting further afield than the place he had called me because I was discontent. The moment you were rescued, you were tasked with the mission of God right where you are. It says in Exodus that as the people of Israel were called out, it says they left in battle formation. It's kind of exciting. It was that they were already soldiers the moment they were set free. And we, the moment we were set free, We're enabled by God to do damage to the kingdom of hell the moment we were set free. It may not look at it, but we are an army arrayed for battle. We are there to set the captives free. 
Scripture says this. It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. What has God entrusted with you right where you are? Do you show up on time to work? Do you work as unto the Lord? Do you cheat on your schoolwork? Do you use chat GPT to write your papers? Look, if you want to fact check something on it, that's okay. But do you do it? That is not God's plan. (laughs) Just, I mean, that's one of the things of the day, right? I mean, look, it can write an amazing sermon. I asked it to do something, type something up, and I was like, wow, this is a Holy Spirit-filled preacher right here. But it's just ones and zeros. But that doesn't mean that I allow it to write the sermon for me. I can use it as a tool, but am I being faithful? And let God search your heart, right? Am I being faithful to things God's given me? You retired folks, are you being faithful to the time that God has blessed you with? Or do you just watch gun smoke 24 hours a day, right? Nick at night, the old stuff that, you know, that I used to watch when I was a kid that only come on at 10 p.m., right? What do you do with your time? What do I do with my time? Am I faithful to spend it with my family? Am I busy with my hobbies? Do I think my kids are too much work and I'd rather go to the wood shop because at least I can see the immediate result of me completing a project here rather than my child saying they don't want to eat their food and being disrespectful for me. These are real things that we battle with. These are all the things that God has entrusted into our care. What's my social media usage like? Would I be embarrassed to open my, you know, my time right now on my iPhone and go show it to five people that this is my monthly amount. I mean, that's convicting to me. I had to get rid of the Instagram app because I'm wasting so much time looking at stuff that doesn't even matter. You know, I I mean, seriously, Navy SEALs and workout plans and all this other stuff that's really cool, but is a really cool waste of time. People hiking through the mountains, doing all this stuff, you know, and training, great videography. I just said, God, I'd really love to download this Bible scripture memory app, which is kind of like a game and it's fun. And Lord, would you help me as many times as I would have picked up Instagram, pick that up instead. I wonder what my life would look like. I wonder what my my mind and my thoughts would go to. And, and again, don't don't take what I'm saying and apply it just to you and think you have to do that. But it was just a thought. Am I being faithful in the very little? Because if I'm faithful in that very little that doesn't seem to be much, Jesus said, I will be entrusted with much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. We're, you know, if you show up late to class all the time because we don't know how to set out our clothes the night before, make our breakfast or whatever God shows us that we need to do practically to get there and show up and do what we need to do for him. Why would I ever do it for a job? Why would I ever expect to get a good wage from a, from a decent job? And why would I ever expect him to send me to a mission field or make me a preacher or even allow me to teach a Bible study? We don't have to be perfect and his grace is constantly working on us. I am a perfect example of that. But these are just good questions to ask ourselves sometimes, to open up ourselves very uncomfortably before the Lord and say, come in and probe around, even though I don't really want you to, because I know you're going to find something and it's going to hurt me a whole lot. But I'm thankful he applies the grace and the ability to do what he wants. He does not overload me. If you feel overloaded and the stress pile into your chest, 
the moment you think about doing more for God, that is a clear indication you are looking at legalism and works and not in the yoke that is easy and that is light. Because when he comes, he makes gentle, subtle changes. Maybe it's a big thing, but he'll help you and he'll bring life. It'll be life to you. And you won't be trying to throw on Throw it on everyone around you because you'll realize this is what God is trying to do in my life. And if he can be patient with me, I can be patient with my spouse and my children. Amen? That's what we need. Now, the real context of that scripture of faithful and little and much was really about money. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? God uses my use of money, your use of money, whether it be little in your mind or much as a spiritual test for greater things. And if you need help in that, we're going to be doing another God Owns It All financial course in another week or two. And Brother Johnny Satoon will walk you through some very biblical things where God can help you in that. To be a good steward, to align your life to what God wants to do. Because in that, that very carnal thing of money, we are called to do more things. So we are called to be faithful where we're placed. We are called to be the light on a hill. Don't be discouraged. You are where you are meant to be by design. You are. If, there, if you can't look back and see blatant rebellion, even if you can, be encouraged by the life of Moses who walked in blatant rebellion against the call of God. John Mark, who is basically told, get out of here, kid. You are a waste of my time and you're at, you, I don't need you right now is what Paul said. Those are so encouraging to me because they show me that even when I am weak, even when I have blown it and everyone has seen me, little or big, Guess who Paul is calling for at the end of his life? Bring John Mark because he is useful for the ministry. Amen. We must be encouraged. Leave here encouraged. There is an open door ahead of us. You are where God has called you to be. So draw near and loving intimacy with Christ and just let his life flow out like the channel that that guy dug. And I know all of you are going to go YouTube after the service and just say, do that in me, God, spiritually. Do that in me. Don't let your discontentment where you are blind you to God's plan for you right where you are. I was so discouraged um, in my, my last job before I stepped out in full-time ministry. And there was, this, there was this one lady I worked with. And I was so frustrated because I really wanted to be a minister to her. She just did not want Jesus her mom had followed Jesus. She had no desire for Jesus. Her heart was very hard. And one morning in prayer, it's like the Lord just said, don't worry about her. Focus on the people who actually do want me. That's what he told me to do in that circumstance. And then that day, a coworker came to me and said, man, I, was just, I had this thought. What about a Bible study here? What if we did a Bible study here? I was so discontent about that one situation, what I wanted to see. And then God worked it out where me and another coworker, we started a Bible study and we would swap whoever would teach it once a month. And we had 10 or 15 at different times, people that would come to that Bible study. It was amazing. It was amazing. So we can't let our discontentment blind us to what God is wanting to do. What might God want to do through your photo business? It, it could be amazing. You know, everywhere that he's placed you, it's absolutely amazing. It says, a wise woman once told me, uh, she said this, she said, the years 
were as few days for Jacob because of the love he had for Rachel. Being content to do what God has asked and going to heaven and getting treasure and his commendation. What could be better than that? What could, I'll read that again. What could be better than this? Being content to do what God has asked, not what I wanted, submitting that to him and doing what he asked me to do all my life, going to heaven, getting treasure, and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. What could be better than that? Instead of wringing my hands, wishing, seeing something that I want to do, and missing out right where I'm at. Be encouraged where you are is where God has placed you with his own hand. You are saved to set others free. So with that, I want to I talk to you about a few opportunities that are available to you right now. Your family, the most difficult place to minister. At times, the most unrewarding place to minister. It will be your family. You heard it from this beautiful woman right here. Amen. Why? Because it seems like we fail more than we succeed. It seems that the things that we want to teach aren't quite caught. Years go by, we see every mistake. We see our own failures and they're magnified among those who are around us at all times. That's why I was sharing on Sunday night at prayer. It's one thing to get up here and preach and praise God and God can move. But then you go home and you see your weakness. But that is where we are called primarily first, right? We're called to the church. But what I mean is in proximity to us. Your family, your spouse, your children, your siblings, your cousins, to pray to reach them with the gospel. We've already got our work cut out for us, right? Right there. I mean, the sanctification that will enter into our lives simply by trying to do that. Your neighbors. Do you know your neighbors' names on both sides of you and across the street? I kind of got to cheat because the Iversons live across the street from me. So I didn't have to work for that one. But the ladies to the left and the right of me, uh, one who's a widow, and all she does is sit at home and read all day long. And she says, I don't look out the window at your kids because I don't want to be spying on them, but I listen to them play. Am I using that as an opportunity to minister to her life? I want to. I really want to. What's going on in their lives? Where do their kids go to school? Do they have health troubles? Is there a lack of, you know, is there a lack in their life? Can I bring them cookies? Even if you can't bake them, can you get the Pillsbury cut and bake ones? And just say, hey, I've never introduced myself to you. And I've lived next to you for 20 years. And I'm ashamed. And I'm so sorry. And I just want to say, will you be my neighbor? Here I am. My name is such and such a person. Uh, You know, tell me about yourself. That would be a wonderful blessing. Check on them. Show kindness and interest in their lives. Let a relationship form. Take advantage of a hurricane like one of our brothers did. And when a hurricane came, he was pretty handy with a chainsaw. So he went around and he he helped to take care of a little bit of work. And they loved him for it. Your work colleagues, even the ones that really annoy you, not your favorites. Could you pull some of the workload when they're stressed? When they're going out of town, can you say, hey, look, I can cover this little part right here. F&T Kids Ministry, it's growing consistently. If you're a member and are willing to get a simple background check and talk uh, to Rachel Forrester, she still needs, I want to say, another six people, minimum, right now, just to break even where we're at. 
That's not even with the growth that we could get at the end of the summer. So I'd say it's probably closer to 10 or maybe even 12 would be a great blessing to that ministry. The LSU Bag Testimony Outreach. There are eight outreaches minimum in the month of August at LSU. How do you feel about going even just once a month with a bag that has candy? Come on, it's candy. People take candy. And a testimony that's maybe not even yours inside of it and simply saying, hey, can I give you some candy? Hey, do you want one of these bags? And they get it and they read it and they are touched by Jesus. One to two times per week. Maybe you have, you love internationals, but you were never able to go in the mission field. Once every Monday at the Baptist Collegiate Ministry, we have a relationship with them, though we are not a Baptist church. Amazing, right? The kingdom of God. To go and to meet these people, have conversations with them, and we are even invited to form longer-term relationships with them, inviting them into our home. When 80% of all international students will never see the inside of an American's home. And I'm telling you now, the leaders of Pakistan, of India, and other places, you think they're not at LSU, but you're mistaken. The sons and the daughters of some of the highest-ranking officials in the earth are at American SEC Universities, not just the Ivy League. I've met one. This is a fantastic opportunity. We're actually even going to be sponsoring one of those interna- uh, international dinners at BCM. We'll get more details about that. Opportunities for the Child Evangelism Fellowship and the local schools. We can go there, share the gospel with children. Prison, that, that's, that's what Rachel said, right? All these thousands and thousands. How can I do this? The church already has the opportunities right where our feet are planted. We don't have to look to Bangladesh in this moment necessarily. Let's do that too. But let's also look right where my feet are and see that the harvest is ripe. And I'm a laborer, laborer right here. Prison ministry. To bring encouragement to men and to women. Embrace grace. Women who are pregnant find themselves in difficult circumstances. We even support missionaries all over the world by putting money in a basket at the end of every month. We can do that too. Can you help once a month? Can you do one of these things just once a month? Every other month? Once a quarter. I mean like four times a year. Something. Is there something that you can do? You've been set free to set others free. And we are abounding with opportunities to do it. I simply want to encourage you to lift up your eyes away from our American dreams, away from the apps on my phone and my my too much screen time to just say, God, tell me what you want to do. Let me be a part of the most exciting generation this world has ever seen. Can you send a text message once a month And check in on your family members who even live in other states. You have been saved to set others free. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Come up music team please. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I hope that we can all be encouraged and challenged tonight. And I want to just encourage you tonight and ask you in whatever way, whether here in your seat, would you just respond to God? Would you just respond to him and say, I have been saved. I've been set free 
to set others free. Show me how and help me. Write it down. You can tell someone else because when you make yourself accountable, it's not a slavery in that moment. It's just, hey, check on me in a week or so because I like to wiggle out of these things. I don't want to go to the mall with the youth or I don't want to go to the international ministry, but I feel like God is prodding my heart to do so. Would you help me not to wiggle out? And you know know what you can do right then? I'm going to go with you. Let's set a date. And now you can't because we're going to do it together. We're going to go arm in arm. We're going to serve Jesus together because we've both been saved and set free to set others free. God will guide us because he is a good